Welcome to Fierce, Fun, Feminine, and Other F-Words. I'm Christine Elizabeth, and I help women unstuck themselves. Today, we're talking about food, one of my favorite topics, except we're not talking about specific foods. We're talking about our relationship with food and why do we struggle all our life with this relationship. And before you think, what is she talking about? I don't have a relationship with food. Yes, you do. Food brings you comfort. It brings you companionship. You also have guilt around it and you have sacrifice. And today we're going to uncover all of this and figure out what the heck is going on. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Let's listen. A woman's relationship with food is a full book, not a podcast episode, but I'm going to attempt to unpack it a little bit and bring awareness, hopefully help you self-examine to see where you are, laugh at ourselves, especially me, because I've made a lot of mistakes, and then leave with just more general awareness and a healthier approach. I didn't really understand my relationship with food until my daughter developed an eating disorder, but here's what I know. For most women, food is happiness, celebration, guilt, comfort, companionship, fun, and sacrifice. It's emotional. I didn't really get all of it. I didn't really realize it until I was sitting across the table from my daughter's nutritionist and some counselors, and I realized how my relationship with food influenced her relationship with food and how it was controlling my life. Think about you. As and your control as you're listening to me here. I thought I had a completely healthy relationship with food. I, I have college degrees. I'm educated. I'm a chiropractor. I coached women in nutrition. I helped them lose weight. They were successful. What did I have to figure out? I thought I got it. But when I was pressed, I realized I had rules and routines and negative associations with some food types, and it wasn't all healthy. It was restrictive. Feeling freedom from diet restrictions doesn't come easy when you, like me, you've lived with them all your life. But when your daughter's health depends on it, when your daughter's health is on the line, you learn quick. Now, I want to make sure I clarify this. My relationship with food did not cause her eating disorder, but it did influence her relationship with food. For example, I had set some goals for myself. I wanted to be in the best shape of my life by a certain date. And I was hitting the gym really hard. And to supplement what I was doing, I to, to build muscle and burn fat, I was drinking protein shakes. She started using them as meal replacements. She was in high school. You know, I didn't even put two and two together that it was going to go somewhere scary But she eventually, that's all she had was one protein shake a day. And I wasn't noticing it. If I verbally scolded myself for eating something bad, let's just say uh, it was someone's birthday and I had a little sliver of cheesecake, I would go, oh my gosh, I'm going to eat this and then I'm going to be so mad at myself. I'm going to have to go to the gym extra to burn this off. Guess what? She started doing the same thing. She picked up on my habits. So these things are things that you don't really pay attention to as a mom until or unless someone points it out to you. And I'm on a mission to bring awareness to help moms move through their body and beauty transformation journeys in ways that empower their daughters, that teach self-love instead of self-criticism. And this is one area where I really had a big wake-up call, and I was in my 40s. (laughs) So 
my relationship with food really changed in the last five years. You know, when I think about food and I thought about preparing this podcast, one of the first needs in our life is hunger. We cry until we're fed. And then we grow up learning life is scheduled around meals. Wake up, you have to eat breakfast before school, right? When you're a child at school, you have snacks and lunch. (laughs) After school, there's usually a snack. Then there's dinner. And then around birthdays, as a child, it's pizza, cake, cupcakes, whatever it is. And as adults, aren't birthday celebrations almost always around a, a meal, unless you do something different, but meals are always part of it. Sports, if you're in any type of sports or activity, there's usually a halftime snack or food. Holidays, no brainer, that's a given. How about if you go on a road trip or a plane? If you get on to book a flight, do you pack snacks in your carry-on or do you buy them before you board the plane? I always have to laugh at myself because I think, how long am I going to be up in the air? Why do I need all these things with me? It's like this comfort, this weird attachment to feeling like I need to have this sustenance. Well, I'm not going to starve on a three-hour flight. This has nothing to do with like the airplane food being bad. This is my extras. I have almonds or I'll have a protein cookie or a bag of popcorn, whatever it is. I have something. Am I the, am I the only one? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Maybe it is just me. But one thing that we have to do voluntarily to stay alive is eat, right? Our heart beats on its own. We don't have to tell it to. Our nerves are transmitting messages and you don't have to think about it. Like right now, you know where your big toe is in space as you're listening to me. I don't, I don't have to tell you where to look. You can imagine and feel it in your mind and you didn't tell your brain to do that. All of the things that your body does, even digesting food, it does on its own. But one thing we have to do to stay alive is eat. So of course, we're focused on food. So why do I call this episode about our relationship with food? Well, it's because of how we feel about it and the emotions that elicits in us. So like, for example, if I have warm, fresh baked cookies out of the oven, it has a completely different effect on me than stalks of celery. The cookie is easy to love. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Celery's for soup. (laughs) Rabbits. I don't know. (laughs) It's just a different feeling. And then the older and more educated we get, you know, we move through school and we, we graduate high school, we get some education. For some reason, our relationship with food, it becomes more complicated. You can have two college degrees and a lifetime of expertise in your field but you lose all common sense and start declaring that you're going to just drink bone broth for seven days. (laughs) Or we go on keto and we restrict ourselves to 30 carbs a day or less. Or we're just going to drink water, just water when I feel hungry. I'm not going to eat. I'm going to just fill up on water and I'm going to wait to eat until this time of the day. We try it all on. We try all of it. And most of the time, deep down, we know it makes no sense, but we do it anyway. Now, all these diets, keto and paleo, all of this stuff, it all works in the short term. You're shocking your system. Anything you do for seven days is going to change your body composition. It's going to change your hunger and your cravings because you're doing something different. You're just giving the body something different to think about. You even may stick to one style of restricted eating for the long term, but you're an outlier. You're not the norm. Most of the time, we find ourselves self-sabotaging and, quote-unquote, falling off the wagon. Can you relate to that? 
The funny thing about these habits that we decide to do is that we find people to do them with, like Facebook groups, podcasts, blogs, vlogs, anywhere you look, people are sharing so that they can stay accountable with that particular relationship with food. We're like wayward kids finding support in a street gang, (laughs) you know, like, oh, you do keto, me too. And then you share all your wins and you share your struggles. And um, it's just this club almost. It's really funny. We also do this. Do you watch food shows on TV? Chefs? Baking competitions? You get into organic farming or farm-to-table restaurants? And you want to associate, you're just all in with whatever food style you've adopted. It really is like a religion. It's a club. It's not just eating anymore. So what have you done? Have you found yourself finding comfort in finding other people that do it like you? They eat like you? And is it working for you? Have you done it? And it hasn't worked for you. I think accountability and support is excellent. I'm all for it. When it comes to restricting a food group, a major restriction out of your diet, I'm not all for it. A lot of things go south with that. Now, let me just preface this to say, if you have a medical condition like diabetes, of course, we're not talking about things like that. If you are truly a celiac and gluten intolerant, of course, you can't have things with gluten. But how many people on this earth are going gluten-free that don't have a gluten allergy? I mean, they even label chicken as (laughs) gluten-free. Well, of course, chicken doesn't have gluten. It's just a buzzword. It's a sexy uh, marketing ploy to get you to buy their product because you're in the club of gluten-free. And yes, if you drop gluten, you're going to feel better. I want to keep saying this because anytime you change a dietary habit, you're going to start to feel better. That's normal. It's the restriction that I want to talk about and the relationship I want to talk about. By assigning foods that are good and bad, let's just uh, pick on me because I'm the easiest person to pick on. I taught my kids that there were good foods and bad foods as they were growing up. So, oh, you don't want to eat that. That's too much sugar. I I never had my kids trick-or-treat. They've never done it. Uh, Well, I shouldn't say that. When they were younger, I think we walked through a shopping mall, um, and they never went door to door. Let's just put it that way. They had some candy that they got from a shopping mall um, where I knew it was going to be safe. There weren't creepy people. (laughs) But when we got home, they did not get that whole bag of candy. And I know a lot of you do the same thing. I was really strict about my kids' food. Let me give you an example. And this is me showing my true colors here. When my son was three years old, he was on a t-ball team. And, you know, if you have little ones, if or if you can remember when you were in sports, when you're a little kid, they bring snacks after. Like if you're three, four into seven years old, they bring snacks. Uh, each week, it's a new parent, and we rotate um, whoever brings something, right? One week, this mom bought a box of Krispy Kreme donuts, just glazed donuts, And my son, I'll never forget the look on his face. I was standing there in the little huddle afterward, you know, to help him and make sure he was waiting his turn in line and all of that. And she opened the box of donuts and all the kids were like, yay. And my son looked in front of everyone and said, mommy, what are those? (laughs) If you could see my face right now, I want to facepalm. 
So everybody's eyes in a split second locked on me. Like, what are you talking about? How does your kid not know what a donut is? He didn't. He never had a donut. That was his first day of having a donut. He was three or four years old. And then from then on, that story got shared everywhere, and his grandfather would send him a card for birthdays or Valentine's Day or whatever and put her one put one or two dollars in there and say, tell your mom to buy you a donut. I was really regimented. I was regimented with myself, and I was regimented with my kids. Now, the good thing about being regimented is they are killer healthy. My kids went through childhood very healthy. I didn't have any major childhood illnesses. They didn't even have, they actually never once had an ear infection. I got through all of that because of how I handled and managed their food, their activities, all of those things. But my relationship with food directly had a negative effect on their relationship with food. And I would say if I had to do that over again, I would definitely do it different. It's really difficult to unlearn, you know, that if to eat something bad, you know, like you, if you, if you assign morality to food, first of all, you're giving power to the food, right? So the food has power over you. So my kids learned that if they ate something bad, they felt bad about themselves. They also learned if they went to school, they would come home and tell me what was in their kids' lunch. So if you're, if you're assigning morality to foods, like this is good, this isn't good. Thankfully, my kids never, I don't think, looked across the lunch table at school and said, you shouldn't eat that. But I do know moms where that happened. It's horrifying. (laughs) You don't want our little eight-year-olds or seven-year-olds telling their friends that they're eating something bad because that's what the mom believes. So assigning morality to food is just a, just a bad idea. I would love to have all of us stop that. And the struggle, they struggle with eating good food because their relationship with the bad one is all they want. When you withhold and restrict, it's like anything. You want what you can't have. Now, we didn't have a lot of sugar in the house when they were young. And so all they wanted when we went anywhere was sugar. It wasn't this um, moderate practice. It was very restrictive. So it's difficult to unlearn as kids. It's definitely difficult to unlearn as an adult if you've walked through this all your life. But watching my daughter through her eating disorder, sobbing, tears, because the nutritionist was saying, pushing her to eat all foods when she was in her refeeding stage of healing, everything. She was, when you go through an eating disorder as severe as hers, you're trying to eat, they're, they're pumping them with five to 8,000 calories a day because their life is on the line. But her relationship with food was so tainted because that was the only thing she could control in her life at the time that, and I had taught her that, you know, all of this stuff is loaded with sugar. It's bad for you. It was, it was really hard for her to let go. And it's hard for me to let go. But I went first when she wanted me to eat something that in my mind all my life, I I just restricted. You better believe it that I sat down there and I was the first fork in there to share with her. You'll do what you have to do when you have kids. I'm hoping that I'm bringing awareness to you so that this doesn't happen to your kids. And it doesn't happen to you because really we get ourselves so disordered in our thinking. We don't know really what a healthy relationship with food looks like anymore. 
So I think a perfect storm around my daughter's life, I know a perfect storm of different things happened, led to her eating disorder. So I really want to reiterate, my relationship with food did not cause her eating disorder. It was the way she coped with the things that were going on in her life. That's the thing she could take hold of and control. She got down to 80 pounds. I mean, all kinds of things were happening. Thank God she's on the healing side now. (laughs) Uh, But as I've learned, that never goes away. When you're as far down the hole as she was, she'll struggle with this all her life. If I could go back and redo and relearn everything I know when I had children, my relationship with food would be completely different. I don't know. She may still turn up with an eating disorder, but it won't be because, and her relationship won't be because of how I treated myself about food. (laughs) So that's what I want to really hope that you catch. So why do we restrict and get regimented? with foods as women. Besides our weight loss, what do we do? I think a lot of it lands with that control piece, right? If you can control this one part of your life, you have this, this, this is exactly where eating disorders come from. Really. It's not about their body so much. It's about control. So as women, if we can control the food, we think if we take on this restricting habit, we're magically going to turn into these organized, healthy, powerful, badassery women. (laughs) Am I right? I have a feeling it feels like that for you because it felt like that for me. If I can just get this part of my life under control, I'm going to have all my laundry folded when it's supposed to. (laughs) My gas tank is never going to be on E. My car is always going to be sparkling clean. My clothes are always going to be put away immediately after they're out of the dryer. You get this crazy thought that if you eat healthy, everything else is going to fall into place. So yes, if you eat healthy, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to say good and bad here. If you make healthier choices, you start to become more in alignment with what health looks like. But the restrictions and assigning morality to food, that's all out the window. It doesn't work like that. I don't know. Maybe it did work for you, but it does not work like that. Let's think of some other things we do in the name of health, right? Because a lot of times we just think, like for me, I was doing my whole restriction in the name of health. I was doing it because diabetes is on both sides of my family. I was, I restrict sugar and there's, there's wisdom in that, but I was on the very far edge scale of too far. We also, you know, say things like I need fat loss and I need, or I want, or whatever. We have all these reasons. But let's think of some of the other things we try with food. We try fasting. Have you tried it? I mean, intermittent intermittent fasting has been going on for a few years now. It's been wildly popular. I'm not saying these are good or bad. I'm just pointing out the things that we do. And this is all related to food. We do cleanses. Have you ever done that? We're going to do a cleanse. Like our body doesn't already know how to cleanse, but we're going to do another one. (laughs) Detoxes, same thing. Some of us get into the seaweed, kelp, green superfood thing. Some of us go into charcoal. I mean, we do some crazy stuff. But here's the flip side. Some are still getting sloshed on a bottle of wine with their girlfriends or smoking, vaping. But by golly, we have our food under control. I'm here to call it out. We need to stop the madness. We need to stop. We need to take a step back. Look at how we're handling this part of our life. Now, if you are eating six Klondike bars at one in the morning, if you're, if you're hiding and running downstairs and you're, you know, secretly eating food, that's a completely different issue. 
that's something that you're finding comfort in that food and you're replacing some type of emotion. You're fulfilling a need. If you're doing that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who is restricting because they want to reach a certain goal and look a certain way and they think this is the most healthy thing and they bounce from fad to fad to fad to fad. That's what we need to stop. This is what I think eating with common sense looks like. You don't go out there looking for a new diet. There are literally billions of articles and social media posts on food. Healthy eating. Just do hashtag healthy eating on Instagram and look at what you find. I don't need to give you a diet. You already have all of them at your fingertips. You've probably tried a lot of them. You don't need somebody else to tell you how to eat. The thing is, your body already knows how to eat. (laughs) Cravings tell you it's time to eat. And if you push off a craving, have you ever noticed nothing satiates you? You still want the thing. So listen to your body. You already know this. You don't need a podcast telling you how to eat or what to eat. I'm here to cheer you on to step into moderation and health eating. There are a few basics. You need pure water. Your body needs water. Of course, more fruits and vegetables, the better, preferably raw or steamed. Of course, we know that. I'm not teaching you something you don't know. Less processed is better. You know this too. Have you heard? Shop the perimeter of the grocery store more than you shop the aisles. Everything that has an expiration date. If you have foods that are processed and in a box or a can with a distant expiration date, those are for life emergencies. They're not for your daily meals. You are going to feel better and look better, have more energy if you stick to pure water, good fruits and vegetables, and less processed foods. Those are just some basics. So I just want you to take take an inventory of how you think about your relationship with food. Why do you eat? Why? Do you eat out of hunger or boredom or stress? If those are the reasons you're eating, I'm going to encourage you to find an alternative. Do something different. Stop yourself and do something different. See, weight gain comes from that. It doesn't come from the kind of food you eat. It comes from the behaviors around eating. You're using food as a crutch. So start to take inventory. That's your first key. Your second key is to stop labeling foods good and bad. This is giving food power over you. And your desire to rebel against those rules (laughs) is going to overtake you at some point. Allow yourself to eat the cheesecake. Allow yourself to have something that you've always labeled as bad. It eventually doesn't feel bad anymore. And you know what? You desire it less because it's something you know you can have. And if you're a mom, the last key I want to share with you is to stop labeling your foods good and bad in front of your kids. You can automatically have healthier foods that you want your children to eat without talking about it. And don't criticize your food choices in front of them because they're going to learn to do the same thing. You don't think they're listening Just like we don't use profanity in front of children because we don't want them to go to school with profanity. But for some reason, we forget and don't think about this one 
simple little thing, how we speak to ourselves and treat ourselves around food and fitness too, they learn to adopt those same behaviors. So I want you, if you're a mom, to try to stop that. Just change the story in your head, or if you catch yourself starting to criticize yourself, change it so that it's a positive, not a critical, this is bad, I shouldn't have done it, I have to go work out now because this food's bad and it's going to make it all go to my hips. Nope, we're going to stop that behavior now. Even if you don't have kids, that's a bad behavior because you are not allowing yourself freedom. And healthy living should feel like freedom. If you're on a diet, you are in prison. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. If it's a lifestyle for you and you're happy with where you are and you don't feel like you're missing something, you're fine. This isn't for you. But if you are feeling like, gosh, I just want a piece of bread, (laughs) well, have a slice of bread. Don't eat it all day long, (laughs) but give yourself the slice of bread. That restriction is a prison. Break free. Give yourself permission to eat all foods, barring any food allergies or medical condition, of course. Dieting and restricting disconnects you from hunger and fullness cues, and it can lead to something scary down the road. I hope this all makes sense to you. You can reach me at fiercefunfeminine at yahoo.com if you have any questions or comments. If you do, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. In listening to this podcast, you agree and understand that it is not a substitution for medical advice for you or someone you know. If you have any medical conditions, please consult your physician, especially when it comes to diet and exercise changes. If you found this podcast helpful in a healthy way, hit subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode and share it with a friend. In the meantime, have a fierce, fun, feminine, and fabulous day.